You're listening to the Heart and Soul Podcast with Katherine Banco. I'm on a mission to celebrate breakthrough, empowerment, and shameless living in the lives of women everywhere. Join me and let's live unashamed together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to season three, episode 26 of Heart and Soul. I am joined today by Rebecca Anderson. If you've been listening to Heart and Soul for um, all three seasons, then Rebecca was our very first guest ever on season one. It's a big, that was like an exciting thing. It was really exciting because we had only done one episode, just us two, and we're like, what the heck are we doing? <laughs> I feel like we've all come a long way. Yeah, for sure. A lot sure. of different aspects since what, then. Yeah, which we'll definitely talk about today, where life has taken us. Yes. But last time she was on, she talked about her ministry um, here in Wilmington called 514 Revolution, um, where they help basically bring women out of human trafficking and sexual exploitation um, and then supply them with resources and prayer and redemption along the way. So um, this time we're going to (laughs) pivot conversation. Equally heavy topic. Equally heavy, (laughs) just as heavy. But um, we're going to – so just a background, Rebecca has been like a spiritual mom for me and – mentor and mentor so when we had our two miscarriages um Rebecca and David were that's her husband were like the first people at our doorstep and prayed with us and just let us be sad with them and um it's pretty it's pretty powerful just what it what it's pretty powerful in grief to just be next to someone and not have to fix something, but just like be near. So that's, that was Rebecca for us. And then she recently just experienced a loss, which I'll let you share about. But, um, we've kind of just been on this last two years of yeah crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It's, it's been a journey. And I think that that was sort of my heart in this is just like, Hey, you know, um, we should talk about this yeah. as friends. We should talk about how um, our hearts have been impacted as friends, how the, how the ups and the downs, and just all the things that go along with infertility and loss and um, hope deferred, that desire in mm-hmm. your heart to, um, to have a baby, and, um, and how as, as women, really, we can help each other navigate those places because I think that it's a place where um we don't talk about it enough yeah and and when you and it's so common right right and I think too it's like from kind of the thing that was on my heart was like just that moment when when you see your friend end up with the thing that you desire more than anything else Mm -hmm. like how does that impact your friendship how does that because it does it it impacts our hearts right yeah. but just being honest about the places that we are sitting in mm-hmm. I think um end up ministering to the relationship on a whole yeah does that make sense yeah it does for sure so this will be really good for us yeah. <laughs> um yeah. will you if you don't mind just like sharing your journey with infertility and what yeah. you've been through this last year. Yeah. Um, actually, I have a son who is going to be six in August. And um, he is kind of I'm emotional. Gosh, because like we just, I was at his preschool graduation earlier today. Um, but he was conceived 
naturally. Um, we had to like, when I was a little later, I guess in life getting married, I was 30 when we got married. And so, um, we, you know, obviously like you want to wait a little while, um, and enjoy just being the two of you and, um, as a new married couple. But when we started to, um, you know, kind of turn towards wanting to have a family, I didn't get pregnant right away. And, um, we saw some different doctors and I ended up having to have like a little surgery to address some issues going on with my uterus. Um, and then after about seven months of that, we conceived Joshua naturally. Um, and yeah, just the biggest blessing of my life. Um, next to my husband also and, and Jesus. Um, but so then when Joshua was around two or three, we wanted to start trying again. And I think that probably there are more listeners than we even know that can relate to just what it feels like to ride that roller coaster every 30 days mm -hmm. of, um, you know, oh, like we felt like we really gave it a great shot this month. And, um, and am I pregnant? And then when your period comes and it's like, no, you're not. It's just this, it's just a constant, like up and down emotional mess. And, um, it's exhausting. Yeah. It's really, it takes a toll. I think, I think on you mentally and emotionally, but then also recognizing too, like what it does to your marriage. Um, yes, that's true. You know, do you want to like no, I, well, I just think when you both yearn for something so much, it becomes almost like, not sex becomes a chore by any right, means, but it right. becomes like a tool to get you to the next right. place. Yes. And then. A means to an end. A means we're, to an end. Yeah. trying to accomplish a goal. Yes. <laughs> There's <laughs> a goal in sight. And then when you're the woman and you you get that negative test, and I only experienced like six months of negatives, but. Um, every time I got that negative test, I felt like I was letting Michael down mm -hmm. or letting our marriage down. And then it was like, my brain was so focused on that goal that I was like absent in other ways in our marriage. Yeah. Yes. My husband has had, we've had similar conversations and we've actually been through counseling because of it. Um, and we're on, we're definitely on the other side of that in some beautiful ways, but he was kind of very honest with me um when we first began to because i wasn't getting pregnant and so we felt like you know we need to go see see a doctor that can help us with this, this and this is with baby number two um that he felt like i was so focused on conceiving a baby that i really didn't care for his heart mm. you know in that season and um and he's more of someone that will um, not, well, he doesn't do it intentionally, but he suppresses his emotions and then they will, um, just erupt at the most <laughs> inopportune times. And it's kind of like, what is going on? And, and realizing that, and then he realizes, oh, like I didn't realize that I felt this way yeah. for so long. Um, so now we have a big mess to sort of clean up. Um, but yeah, you, you know, having to sort of almost like hit the brakes because his heart is important to me. His heart is, is more important to me than conceiving a baby. And he really needed to, to know that. So we've gone through that sort of journey. And then, um, around this time last year, we 
sat with some friends who um, brought up the topic of IVF. And for a really long time, we thought that that was something that we, we just didn't think that we could do it. We didn't know enough about it at the time. We weren't, we weren't really, I would say fully educated on the process. Um, but we, because we're believers, we believe that life begins at conception. And, um, so it's very important to us that we steward that really well. And we weren't sure, like, is this science taking over for like what God does and all of these things? Um, so we just kind of didn't really entertain that for a long time. And then this time last year, we sat with some people that, that brought that topic up to us again. And my husband, um, was really the one that sort of led the way with those questions and, and wanting to investigate that. And that was a good place for our marriage to be in because it, for a long time up until this point, it was kind of like me in the driver's seat there. And so, it blessed me tremendously that he wanted to to sort of look into this process. Um, so we found a great doctor in Raleigh and um, who has just really honored our belief system and understands that we desire to, to steward life well. Um, and so we, yeah, before we even sort of realized that we were like on this train of in vitro fertilization and um, a little bit overwhelmed by all of the things that go along with that because it's a whole lot of medicine and a whole lot of appointments and um, and in Raleigh and so you're doing Raleigh. a lot of traveling yes and juggling of everybody's schedules and a, a child that's in school and um I mean I actually missed his first day of school last year because I was having to have a um, little surgical procedure done before we could begin the IVF process. Um, so even gosh, like, I don't, I don't know if I, if I get emotional, like while I talk about it is because I'm still processing all that's happened in the last year. Um, but we, um, went through egg retrieval, I think in September and, um, after the genetic testing, we ended up with one embryo and we were just really feeling like that was an answer to prayer because we we didn't want to be in a situation where we had all like multiple embryos and and I'm 40 and what, like what are you gonna do with all of these babies so yeah. we were we were really just kind of like yes lord like there's just one you know and and the other side of this story is that there have been so many like just prayers and words over our family having a little girl um very specific words. Yes, yes. Like even from Michael, he had a dream one night and like dreamt her name and then texted y'all the next day and was saying, I don't know if his name is, means anything to you. And you're like, that's our daughter's, that's the name. We yes. were going to name our daughter. Yes. Yes. Her name, um, her name, her name was Elise. And um, so that really kind of blew us away because it's like, all right, Lord, like you are intentionally talking about her to other people. So where do you, where do you put that in this journey? I mean, it just, it really, those types of things, I think just foster hope, right? In your heart that, um, that the Lord hears and sees you and he intends to fulfill the desires of your heart. Um, so yes, like, and then when we ended up with this one embryo and then because of the magic of science, um, they were able to determine the sex before 
we even did the transfer and it was a little girl. We were just like, yes, like felt so much like, you know, this is it. This is what, this is the promise that the Lord has given us and, and it's coming. Um, and so we decided to wait through the holidays to do the transfer, but, um, did transfer it in January of this year. And, um, it's kind of those initial, like, you know, first weeks of pregnancy and, um, and part of me, I think was like, I don't really believe it mm -hmm. after all of this time has passed. Um, and after seeing so many negatives right, for so right, many years. You're right. Like, this yes. This is, you know, there was a part of me that just felt like it wasn't real. Um, and so at six weeks I went to, um, to the doctor to do a checkup and they can actually do, that's when we did our first ultrasound. And, and she was like, well, she's like, there's, I see a little heartbeat. Um, but she's measuring at six weeks and one day and you're six weeks, you should be six weeks and five days. And I was just kind of like, okay, okay lady. that's picky. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not even like picking up what you're putting down because you don't know about like what all I've been through to, <laughs> to get to this point and the promises that God has given me. Um, so I'm just not even worried about it. Mm -hmm. And I drove home like this isn't a problem. Um, so when we went back, they wanted me to follow up a week later. Um, we went back and they looked at her and they were like, she has not grown at all since your last appointment. And that's when um, everything just felt like it came crashing down. Mm -hmm. So um, we called all of our people, our, our prayer warrior people and our family together. And my husband and I had actually like, booked a trip we were supposed to leave to go to st croix this same day that this happened mm. <laughs> so timing is like okay well um <laughs> um but we just decided that we were and they, they were even preparing me you know like if you can go on this trip but we just want to make sure you can get to a hospital if you need to and all and all of that stuff is just so overwhelming mm -hmm. when you feel like you've been riding this wave of anticipation in a lot of ways, I think. Um, yeah. And um, so we decided to go in faith, just believing all would be well. And I'm grateful that we did because, um, because everything was fine. Um, we had a wonderful time and I, I can, I'll be able to always kind of look back at that, memory and and know that she was with us like here on earth mm -hmm. too while that was happening um we went back to the doctor again when we got back and they were like well she's still measuring really small her heart is still beating um but she's measuring you know much smaller than she should be and i when i was pregnant with joshua um it was also sort of like a high-risk pregnancy i had to go to the doctor every week to get checked and I just had a moment after this appointment where I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not going to come back for a couple weeks. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, um, because of all the anxiety that goes into that and just the stress of it, the emotion of it. And I remember when I was pregnant with Joshua telling myself, like, I, if I had this to do over again, I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't put myself in that situation every week because of the emotional toll that it takes on you. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I told them that I wasn't, I would come back in two weeks and that they could check me then. Um, and I just really like threw myself before the Lord. Um, and honestly, the peace that came in that season was so beautiful. Um, because there was actually, I think it allowed for room for there to be joy in the pregnancy when, um, if you constantly had somebody's medical advice in your ear, I think it robs from that experience. Mm -hmm. Right. So yeah, I just, you know, I just declared life over her and, and asked the Lord for her to grow. Um, and when we went back two weeks later, her heart wasn't beating. So, um, that's just crushing. I mean, you know, you know exactly how it feels. Yeah. Um, so I think even there was, it was similar for you at one point in time, right? Um, and, um, yeah, your brain just does all sorts of crazy things, like, in that moment. I mean, I, I don't even, I don't, I can't even tell you, like, what all went through my head. Yeah, it's just a roller coaster of emotions. Right. What did it do for your for your faith? Like, how did it challenge or, I guess, what what did your relationship with God look like, look like that week after you were given that news? I don't know if I can even answer that because I don't think that I've ever been angry. Um, and I've, I've had thoughts of like, I don't, I don't need to know why, because where does that get me? It doesn't really, right. it doesn't really get me anywhere. And I've always been somebody that has seen the Lord as a good father. Um, and I would say that in this moment, this is when your community of people so, sort of gather around you and hold up your arms because you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not sure that I've even still because process like, well, where, what do I feel about God in this experience? Um, I don't, I know that he has purpose for everything. I mean, that's mm-hmm. part of what I spend my days like preaching to other women. Um, and right. so, so, you know, it's like, I think that's something that I've recognized is like, man, like other people are watching me have to navigate this. Yeah. And how, how, how do I respond is going to continue to be encouragement to them, even though I'm devastated. Yeah. Um, I think for, for me, when, like, as far as my relationship with the Lord goes, I, everything, every struggle that I'd been through in the past upon knowing Jesus, I felt like I was letting God down. And in this one, it was this weird shift in my heart where I felt mm -hmm. like God let me down. Right. And he had never let me down, if that makes sense. Yeah. And it's not him letting me down. It was just like, that was how I was processing it. Right. And some advice that I was given was like, wrestle with that Mm -hmm. and like say that out loud to God. Well, exactly. I mean, like, why, why would you literally give our daughter's name to a man in his dream Mm -hmm. if you didn't intend for her to live her days out here on earth? Yes. And then 
if that wasn't your intention, what was? Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's just, it's messy, ugly, messy. Um, what have you seen? What, after you, once you started in miscarrying and after you miscarried, what to you felt the most comforting and what felt the most hurtful after that from friends community? Oh, um, we kind of like did it. We were able to kind of get out of town almost immediately. We had, we had some good distractions that were already on the calendar and that was helpful. Um, but, um, I mean, Facebook people announcing like they're expecting on social media and I'm just like, you just feel angry. Like, oh, of course you are, you know, like, like, and I think even why does this have to be, why does this get to be so easy for certain people, Mm -hmm. particularly in my line of work? Um, yeah. Speak to that. Yeah. Like women that have absolutely no business having another baby. And I, and I mean that in the best possible way, but when you are, I see women all the time that are abusing drugs and unhealthy and here they are pregnant with like their fifth or sixth child and they don't have custody of their other children. And it's just like, stab, stab me with like a thousand needles Mm -hmm. because it's just, it's so frustrating. And, and we would, um, I mean, you just know, like we would get, we would raise this child like unto the Lord. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. So why does it why does it get to be easy for them and not for me? Like I've definitely had those thoughts and um <laughs> and so I but I realized too like if I I realized like in the process of some of the really great distractions like man like I don't want to um not deal with this. I don't want to to just I could very easily get really busy and just tuck all this away inside of me and keep moving and I was like I don't want to do that um and so I just when we got back from from our trip I was I called my counselor and I was like I need to come in and like process this with you because I think when you have never been through a loss of this magnitude um we're all young like we don't really know people that have died like our parents are still living you know like Mm -hmm. it's Um, but it is a loss on that level. And I think that for women that have experienced it, um, I would say like, don't diminish it, embrace it in the magnitude that it, that it truly is because for, I mean, a person died. Yeah. And I've been through death and loss like in very extreme ways in my family. I mean, I watched my cousin die. That was Mm -hmm. intense. And, and this, it dying inside you is like a whole other level of loss because it feels like you lost a part of you. Right. We did. Yeah. And I think that often women are kind of taught to like, do 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 go 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 and like just if one thing happens press on to the next thing and I think because of that a lot of the grief that should be processed immediately gets pushed down and then eventually it comes out in other ways and in a very possibly damaging ways to you and so I'm really what I love about what you did is you jumped right into grief counseling yes 
because it is grief. And I think a lot, if you haven't experienced a miscarriage, then it's probably easier, easier for you to just say like, I don't get it. Like you never met the person or it was only eight weeks. Like who, like, what is that even? But it's just a whole nother level once you've like actually been through the process. Yes. So what's, what have you learned in grief counseling? Mm, I mean, a number of things. One of the most like revelatory things for me was my counselor said, you know, I want for you to, I want you to like make a list of how you get triggered during the week. And then let's talk about the emotions that you felt like before, during, and after. Mm. Um, so one of the things was like a girl that, that I knew was pregnant. Um, she kind of gave her announcement on Facebook and I just, I felt angry. And then I was, um, I probably had anger towards the Lord because like I wanted to be able, there were so many people that knew our journey and knew what we had gone through and were kind of in that place too, but we never really, I never had that moment of getting to say like, finally, like our prayers have been answered. Mm-hmm. Um, my counselor said, that um, he's like, you know, in our culture, we're really taught to think of triggers as a bad thing, um, that we should avoid triggers, or if we get triggered, like head the opposite direction. And he said to me, he said, what if we flip that on its head and we view triggers as the Lord's way of showing us a place that he intends to heal? Mm. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that concept blew my mind because um and so instead of like running from a trigger when it comes we just embrace it now we don't go like seeking out to get triggered (laughs) but but when they come and they will um like i think even mother's day recently was something that i wasn't expecting um it's like okay the lord is is in that place with you and he's he's going to bring healing to this place um and so that sort of helped me to be more at ease, I think, so that you're not like on edge, like, oh gosh, like I can sit with you and, and I'm not triggered by the fact that your baby is growing beautifully in your, in your stomach, right? Mm-hmm. Like those are things that I think even through our friendship, just the Lord is like, he's in the midst of this, right? Yeah. Um, but a funny thing happened. We had gone to, we've taken a lady um, sort of out of town and my in my work um and the place that we were taking her to is also associated with a um a crisis pregnancy center and so we went into this little room to talk with her and i guess it was the room that they like counsel people in um and there were all these little like tiny little squishy babies in a basket and um wow (laughs) like okay Okay, do we, do we can we, we like put this away, you know? Yeah. And, and my girlfriend, then they had this whole display of what a baby looks like at in the like gestationally at three months, six. You months. You have to just, share what happened during yes, that too. Yes. <laughs> That's so so I'm like, can we please like just put this so I don't have to look at it, you know? And um, so my girlfriend's like, yes, yes, like absolutely, you know. She picks the thing up to move <laughs> it, and she turns, and the whole thing exploded. <laughs> And the babies came out of their little gestational sacks and are rolling around <laughs> on the floor. And, and I'm like, and 
instantly like this heavy thing like turns into like major comic relief. Yeah. Um so yes, funny. it was priceless. It was priceless. But it was like, thank you, Lord, too, because <laughs> I need I you just know what I needed. Yeah, you I needed a, a comic relief amongst what yes. could have been a very triggering moment. Yes. Um but my my counselor too was like, Rebecca, like you don't have to. You don't have to go back to a crisis pregnancy center. Yeah. Anytime in the near future, it's okay to, um, it's okay to to RSVP no to yeah. this baby shower. Yeah. Um, you can be. It's it's like he just gave me so much permission to be kind to myself mm-hmm. in ways that um. Because because we're business people, we're go getters. We do things, we accomplish things. It's like I I don't have I actually don't have to sign up for this, mm-hmm. even though society might say otherwise. And um, that's just been a huge gift. It's really just permission to slow down, uh, permission to take time for myself, permission to love myself and be honest about where I am. Even in just, like, people are like, how are you? You know? And I'm like, I'm just okay. Yeah. Not great. I'm not great. Yeah. yeah. And I don't have to say that I'm great. Yeah. Like, I'm just okay. And um, some people are going to really understand what you mean, and, and some people are not. But I don't owe them an explanation of, of what just okay means right yeah. now. Um, I think that trigger advice that your counselor gave you can apply to so many things, like, even beyond like miscarriage or, oh, yeah. or loss yeah. and to be aware of what triggers you it gives you like this whole new level of protection like what you said about baby showers one of my friends friends she had a terrible journey with infertility and she just doesn't go to baby showers anymore she gets invited all the time and doesn't go and she's years outside of this journey right but it's still very it's always a painful reminder. It's always a painful reminder. And so what she does is she takes that friend, whoever's pregnant, out to dinner. And that's her. like how she replaces it. She's like, I want to celebrate you, but in a different way. I can't be around this environment. Yes. Um, yes. And yeah. I think to be a, like that awareness is so key and not going backwards. I think there's a lot of empowerment that comes in that, right? Because Because if you think about it from a spiritual context... That the enemy uses those moments of being triggered to take us to a place that's not that Jesus wouldn't take us. Mm-hmm. So being able to just immediately like have this perspective shift where it's like, I don't have to fear this. I don't have to be afraid of it happening all the time. Immediately I'm overcoming anxiety um, and I am... Which is not of the Lord. Right. Yeah. Right, and I'm and I'm choosing to receive what God has for me, in the in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't have so the enemy doesn't have power over me in in those places anymore. Yeah, and that's I just I think I take great pleasure in kicking him in his teeth all the time. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know even in in my work, like I've been able to apply that philosophy of of because so many of the women that we see. Our trigger just this past weekend, um, I was on the phone with a girl and she's like, I want to leave this program. Like people are so mean. They're not encouraging. She's I'm just, it, I feel like I'm that girl back in middle school getting picked on all the time. Mm. And so because I was really proud of her for being able to articulate 
that that's that's the place that it was taking her back to and I was like but you are not that middle school girl mm-hmm. anymore and so you if you can see that you're being triggered in that way then what the Lord is showing you is this is a place that he intends to heal for you and it was it was really revelatory even for her in those moments she's like okay you know you're you're right I can see I can see that uh-huh. and for you to use what you learned and be able to like pour that out onto someone else. Those those little moments to me are more revelations into what God's purpose was in for all the pain. Right. I mean, I hate it, yeah. but like I'll still have moments like that where a stranger on Instagram will DM me and say, like, I just miscarried and I need I went and back and read your post and it really mm-hmm. encouraged me. Mm-hmm. And it's like Oh, I hate that I had to miscarry, but for like one woman to feel right less alone or encouraged, like there's purpose to that pain now. Right, right. It yeah. just makes it worth it in a weird way, or work. I don't know if worth yeah. is the right word, but it it brings I guess purpose that I'm to just, it. I'm grateful that I'm able to to take what I'm learning and take the things that I'm gleaning and use them to bless other people. Yeah, which is really what like that's the whole purpose of of discipleship and like, and mentoring and ministering with women. It's like, we're, we are imparting to others that might, you know, that are on the same journey that we're on, but just a little bit, we might be a little farther down the road. It's like, here's what I've learned from my experience. I think the transparency that, that we, if we're willing to be transparent about our pain, that's where the Lord is able to use it and bless other people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just think that that's what he needs. I think that's what he needs from us. But it's also really the exact opposite of what our society and culture teaches mm-hmm. right now. It's like we're supposed to keep it, and especially for women, we're supposed to keep it all on the inside and and everything is fine. Mm-hmm. And move on and the next best thing is ahead right. instead of just sitting right. in it. Right. And that was, um, I think, the other thing that sort of, just came up when you were asking me like what I've learned from my counselor is um in talking about things I'm like I'm introverted already um so I I just really gather my like energy from being still and quiet and being with my like kind of safest people um my husband is an extrovert to the max he is (laughs) he's so extroverted (laughs) and I'm like and I just, I was telling my counselor, I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I don't, I literally don't want to do anything this summer. I don't want to go anywhere. I don't want to sign up for anything. Like, like, I am exhausted. And, and you know, kind of like what I was saying earlier in terms of just really recognizing for myself all that I have been through in the last year. And, and it's okay for me to say, like, you know what? I'm just not doing that. Yeah. Right now, and so he, um, and but I also had said like I needed him to help. I needed to process with my counselor, sort of my my desire in terms of time frames and just all the different things I was feeling, so that I could then go and like share that with my husband. Um, and we we knew, you know, pretty immediately after we knew that we had lost at least that we were going to try this again. Um, and so I'm trying to think through like, what does that look like in terms of the summer and 
like where am I emotionally and and what you know just where where's my head mm-hmm. um and I I think the other thing that happens with grief that he shared with my husband and I is that when when a loss occurs you your brain goes through a physical process of trying to now adapt to a new normal because of the loss. And so there's a lot of your brain capacity that is focused on readjusting mm. to, to life in a, in a new kind of way. And we, it's so subconscious that like we don't even realize that this is happening, but when you, but I get it now kind of as he's explained it to me. So for him to sit down with my husband and say, you know, because my husband wanted to go to Hawaii this summer. And I'm like, Hawaii sounds amazing, but I actually don't want to do that. Yeah. Not this summer. <laughs> I don't want to do that right now. Yeah. And I'm sorry that I, that I can't like sign up for that with you. Um, and so for our counselor, like to share with him, like your wife is not the same person that she was six months ago. She doesn't have the same just mental and emotional capacity that she had then because of because of all that she's experienced and and he was saying you know obviously for the husband like they process it differently they they're not the ones that carried the baby and felt the changes in your body and then felt the changes when when the loss occurs mm-hmm. um and so i just it blessed me so much because as he explained this to david i just heard him go oh yeah like mm. it clicked with him immediately like yeah, like Rebecca, normally she's like, I will power through, I'll get it done. And I'm just am, I'm really okay saying, like, I don't want to do that right now. Um, and to know that that's something that is scientifically happening, happening in your brain, it takes the pressure off of you trying to prove otherwise. Right, right. Because it's something you can rest in and be like, okay, this is how grief works this is a part of the process yes and he so he was saying you know and and the reason it's important for you to recognize this he was saying this to my husband is because it may feel like when rebecca says no to something or rebecca says i don't i don't want for you to sign up for that right now it may feel like control Mm -hmm. like i'm trying to control him but that's not where i'm coming from yeah i'm just i'm just being really honest and aware of where I am in this season and know this season isn't going to last forever. Mm-hmm. But, but yes, we're going to sort of park the car here for a little while and just be. Yeah. Um, and for someone to articulate that for you when you didn't know how to. Right. Was so freeing. It yeah. It felt so good to just be like, and I literally wept as he was explaining this to my husband because I was like, yes, this is exactly how I feel, but I don't even have the words to be able to articulate to you like this is how I feel Mm -hmm. um and for my husband to really get it and support me in that um was a huge blessing he he something had come across his email and he emailed me he said is it gonna feel like more work for you to sign up for this right now and I was I just emailed him back and I was like (laughs) I hope there are other listeners that do email back and forth with I do I, I emailed my husband. Uh, but I was like, yes, and thank you for, like... Asking. Thank you for asking. And being aware of that, right. yeah. And now he knows. Right. I still... I think that with... Um, after a miscarriage, I think that people assume that once you get pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy, that you just forget or get over it. And I still go into these... I call them shame spirals. 
where I get in my head or I haven't grieved something properly or I let something trigger me mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm so emotional or uh, mis- feel misunderstood. And I mean, Michael and I, the last two weeks, we've been butting right. heads and, right. you know, we have a healthy baby right now right. and it's still creeping up from the last two losses Yes, and something that that I've well, I'm t- I'm teaching myself, but I don't think I've accepted yet. Is what you just said is I am allowed to be in a season that looks different when I'm such a doer. I'm such a yes. go 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 with my business, my marriage, with my social life, and I just don't have the energy. Where Michael is doing everything right now. <laughs> well, yeah, and but that's that also is society on a whole. This idea that we can stop and rest is really opposite of like get after it, hustle, like make those dollars, you know, all of that stuff. Yeah, and because society says that, I get ashamed when I do say no mm-hmm. or when I do rest. And I'm like, that's not God. Right, right, because I really think that it's in those places of rest where the Lord can minister us to us the most yeah we're not distracted we're not so busy that we miss what he's saying you know we're just sitting still um and we if we think too like we're created in his image um and after six days of him creating the earth like what did he do rested he stopped and rested Mm -hmm. um so to me that's that's i'm just i'm real big on that message that it's okay to it's okay to be where you are. It's okay to be, to sit in your mess mm-hmm. for a little while. And, I write that um, down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I also think to use your voice to say what you need. Um, I was thinking about that part on the way over here that, I don't know, it's like one of the people, I think maybe one of the questions you had is like, how can friends, um, how can as friends, how can we help each other when, when losses like this mm-hmm. occur? But I actually think that I'm recognizing for myself that certain people are just knowing my capacity, right? And knowing that my capacity is more limited than it normally is, giving myself the freedom to be like, you know, I don't have to take that coffee or I don't have to like plan that meeting and and that person may not understand, the person may think that I'm ignoring them, but I also think there's this little weird bit of like, I don't want to pull on her too much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just realizing that it's a season, but also being able to, when you're in this place of grief, being able to, to be honest about what you need and vocalizing it. Yeah, express that. Like, I can't meet with you for coffee because it's just too much for me right now. It has nothing to do with you. Right, right. But this is what I need. Right. And if they're a true friend, and if they love you, then they'll be like, okay, whatever you need, right. you know? Right, That's To me, that's a big part of just the awareness of of what do we need and then being able to, like, feel secure enough to vocalize that. Um was just something I was thinking about on the way over here. Because I can think of several people that are like, Oh, I really want to get together with you and talk about what we do. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, you know, and I want to make that happen. But also, like, if I don't, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, my, my business coach, who I love, sent me this um, 
I think I told you this, like homework to do something fun. I'll wrap it up soon. But okay. she she um, was like, you know, go to a museum or go bowl or meet with an older person in your community for coffee and learn something. And the more I process that, which this was just on Thursday, but I'm thinking fun for me right now is, yes, alone <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and also sometimes it's just shutting my brain off and right. watching like an old episode of Grey's Anatomy and being lazy. Sure. You know, and that's in this season for me, which I am an extrovert. I love to meet with people, but I'm in an introverted season. So it's okay for me to say, hey, I had fun watching season three, episode four of Grey's Anatomy right. <laughs> because it was comforting for me to right. not put any more pressure on my schedule. Exactly. Exactly. And I think the other thing, too, that I was thinking about just in terms of our friendship together was how I think when we lost Elise and to see baby Bingo growing, like that's an awkward place for both of us, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's like I'm, I'm being honest about it being hard for me to watch your belly grow. Yeah. And you're probably thinking, like, I'm sure it's hard for her to be in this this place so let's just put that on the table and acknowledge yeah that that that's there but we love each other yeah and so hey there's this you know and I think and think for friends too it's in those it's in the unspoken places where the enemy can attack us Mm. does that make sense yeah for sure you know because it's not brought to light right right so to be able to say you know Catherine like I love you this is hard for me but I'm not going anywhere yeah. For, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that, I think, I think, I don't know, you can tell me, but I feel like that took pressure off of you. Mm-hmm. And I think I under I totally understand. Cause I, when I was losing my babies, I, I couldn't hang out with people who were pregnant. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. And so for that, just to be out on the table and like, I train Rebecca three times a week, but if you were to ever text me and be like, not having a morning where I want to see your belly, right. I'm not coming. I wouldn't be offended by that right. because it's been on the table. Right. I, yeah, I think that, and so I text you like when we were gone, I was like, you know, I was like, I think that as friends, it's good to have this conversation and it's mm-hmm. good to put it out there that as women, like we can support each other. People don't talk about it enough. Um, yeah. And sometimes supporting someone is supporting them with a distance mm-hmm. if that's what that person needs. Yeah. So it doesn't mean you have to be hanging out with someone 24-7 to give them comfort. Sometimes comfort is letting them sit right, in right, it right. how they need to. I guess this is just a topic that affects women in a much greater capacity than we really talk about. Mm-hmm. It affects friendships. Um, so many so many things because our heart is so deeply involved in it all. Um, yeah, and I just think there should be more more light shown on it yeah I have questions that I ask every single guest but since you've already asked or since I've already asked you these I'm gonna just change two of them okay okay (laughs) so I'm asking you two usually it's four but um what one of the questions is what do you love about yourself but I'm gonna shift it to what have you learned about yourself since losing Elise that you're learning to love because it's a new you, <laughs> right? It's You're processing differently. Yeah. Um, probably my body right now, mm. honestly, because I just, 
with with IVF, like you pump yourself full of so many hormones. Um, I mean, I don't know how many shots total I gave myself. Um, a lot. Yes. Yeah. Even I know that, and I wasn't doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I'm heavier now than I've ever been, and not that I'm. I know that I'm not overweight, but it's just, yeah, I'm having to adjust to your body having gone through all of those changes and I don't have anything to show for it. Yeah. And you're going, you went through an emotional loss and then you have to see it physically. Right. As a reminder. And that's frustrating. Yes. Or experience Um, it physically. Yes. And I actually, I think I like, I think I woke up at 1.30 this morning I'm and probably I'm, awake. You could have texted me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, I literally had a moment where I was like, man, like I can feel my body coming down and probably normalizing somewhat. And mm-hmm. I, I thought like at 1.30 this morning, like, do I really want to do this like right away again? Right. I like I want to feel like myself yeah, again. I don't want to yeah, lose that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm still wrestling with that one because like on one hand, like, yes, Yes, but on the other hand, like, ugh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're not just surrendering, like, your time and your emotions, but you're surrendering, like, your whole body to this experience. Yes, and I I don't know that I've fully processed that. I've had friends say, like, Rebecca, I've watched what you've done to yourself, you know, in the last year, and I just, I think it's amazing. You know, Mm. you've already sacrificed your body for this little baby who, um... Yes, is in heaven, and the idea of like doing all of that all over again. I don't know. I need to. I need to go home and process. That. Yeah, that was speaking of processing. <laughs> yes. um, What's well, question two? <laughs> last question is if you could leave our listeners with one little piece of truth today for them to end on one little word of wisdom. What would it be? That your voice matters. Mm. Drop the mic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, don't yeah. be afraid to speak up and say what you need um, because it just, it matters. You're important. And um, and even if it's, I would say don't fear rejection, don't fear whatever it is because because in, the, in that place when you begin to exercise your voice, your self-worth comes into line with the way God intended it to be. And you feel empowered in your own, in yeah. your identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you yeah, so much for welcome. sitting down and sharing your story. Yes. I know it couldn't have been easy, but no. I know it probably blessed a lot of people I listening. So. I love so. you. Love you too. And listeners, I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Whoa!